Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, food blogger, tea drinker, and aspiring theology professor. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us today. Wherever you are, whatever you're up to, we're just really glad that you decided to hang out with us for a little while today. Before we get started, Jessica, how was your week? What's going on in the world of Jessica? In the world of Jessica? um, Currently at my in-laws, escaping the I don't want to say maybe carnage. Is a word for, um, I had mentioned in a previous episode that we had uh, crazy um, leaks coming down through our ceiling. And so, yeah, renovation is happening and uh, no hot water at the time. So wow. taking uh, refuge at my lovely in-laws. Thank- thankful. Shout out to them for their <laughs> wonderful welcome and uh, generosity. But um, yeah, was, I had a, a lovely morning. I went to my favorite bakery. It's not too far from my in-laws, but it's um, actually probably a good hour from where uh, we wow. usually, where, where we typically live at home. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a helpful thing that I don't have to um, have that temptation right yeah. around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about bakeries just before we hit record, and I was telling Jessica it's really quite difficult because I live kind of around the corner from a very, very famous bakery here in New York called Magnolia Bakery. And there are a few of them throughout the city and they probably have the most gorgeous cupcakes you've ever seen. And my favorite thing to get there is this key lime pie cheesecake thing. And it's really just, it's a challenge every single week to not go, well, I made it through another week. Maybe I should reward myself. (laughs) The key lime pie. The key lime pie. Yeah. (laughs) So um, kudos to you for not uh, going there every single day. (laughs) I mean, that would be quite, quite the gas mileage. Yeah. Or the the cost on on gas to get there. (laughs) Just for, just for a muffin, but sometimes it's worth it, I guess. Um, It's been a pretty busy week for, for me over here, but it's a really, it's a wonderful kind of busy, Hmm. um, filled with auditions and writing and deadlines. And so it's a kind of busy that I just love. And I also feel like matches the season of just, you know, we're finally in the last home stretch of the year and we're kind of running towards the finish line and, and trying to get everything done before the end of November, beginning of December hits when everything just kind of shuts down for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's just a wonderful kind of busy. Like a purposeful yeah. direct, directed busyness as opposed to frenetic. Yes, exactly. Because the beginning of the year can kind of have that frenetic energy, like you just said, of just running around and I'm busy because it's the beginning of the year and I should be busy. Um, so it's, it's kind of a beautiful busy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think we should um, 
first, I would like to say before we get into our letter this week, it's just been really, really lovely to see all of your letters and um, kind words about the podcast. And it's just been really encouraging to hear from you all and that you're all really enjoying the podcast so far. It really means so much and it makes it all the more uh, simple, I guess, to keep going with it. So thank you for that. Mm, yes. And I would love to just go ahead and jump into the letter today. Um, it's a pretty short letter, but it covers a really, really important subject. And that is uh, about mothers and daughters and bonding. And so I think this is probably a letter that a lot of people listening today are going to identify with or just even have some thoughts about. So let's go ahead and jump in. Dear Wallflower, my three daughters, ages 16, 14, and 10, do not enjoy having tea time with me. Any advice on how to make it more appealing and enjoyable for them? Sincerely, tearful at tea time. This letter, when I read it, absolutely broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wait to read it because I, I knew Jessica would have incredible thoughts about it. So let's go ahead and hear. What do you have to say first, Jessica? Yeah, um, my first thoughts were pretty much what you just said, too. I have to say that this this letter breaks my heart, um, even though I don't have children as someone who absolutely loves tea time and thus is <laughs> someone who values and respects and desires to champion anyone else wanting to set that example or form that habit in their lives. Um, it, it breaks my heart that tearful at tea times, um, daughters are not enjoying it. And yeah. I suppose I am biased, but I want, I want everyone to be able to enjoy and value tea time. Um, I've just seen it as such a beautiful rhythm to have in life. And I think that anyone would benefit from it. So I, yeah, I definitely feel for our friend here. Um, but almost immediately after reading this letter, my heart and mind jumped um, from sadness to hope. Mm. Um, our tastes can and do change over time. And often we need both time and helpful entry points for learning how to appreciate what we might call the finer elements of life. <laughs> Things like tea time, um, Renaissance art, classical music, even mushrooms. All of these things tend to take um, time to be appreciated by youth. Um, but here's the rub. They often can and do get there. Again, it just takes time and what I like to call helpful entry points. Mm. As a personal example, something that came to mind thinking about this um, is that I didn't care for Jane Austen stories when I was an early adolescent. My mom (laughs) tried to get me to watch Sense and Sensibility with her. and I I guess I did end up watching it with her, but I was just so bored by it. And it it stuck in my mind as this like really boring story, really, you know, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so a few years later, when the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice came out to theaters, Unfortunately, I had no interest in seeing it and just no. now thinking back, I'm like the horror. <laughs> How could I not enjoy it? You it's missed it. A, I know it's such a beautiful film. I didn't get to see it in theaters. It's very sad. But now um, I've read several of Jane Austen's works. I think I've probably read Pride and Prejudice more than once. Um, and I watched film adaptations regularly. Mm. So um, I suppose at the time earlier on, I maybe just wanted more action in a movie or more overt humor, you know, without like the right. And I can't really say now what exactly it was, but 
once I got into high school and certainly onward from there, I really came to enjoy the character development, the dialogue, the rich, mm. um, the subtle humor, the wit, and so on. So again, looking back, I can't really trace a clear path on how I got from shunning Jane Austen's works <laughs> to relishing them. But I would say that it was largely a combination of my own growth and maturity and thus time. Yeah. And the, con the continued opportunities to engage with Jane Austen's works in different ways. And so helpful entry points along the way. Yeah. So the time element, I think, can be summed up in, in really one word, which is patience. Um, growing in appreciation for the rhythms of tea time can take time. Um, and that, again, will require patience. But um, as for those helpful entry points, what those might be for tearful at tea times daughters, I would pose a few questions to aid in determining how she might proceed. So first, I would say, what do they like? You know, how can tea time be adapted in a way that will be familiar and or more desirable to them? So maybe they like hot apple cider or hot chocolate. Yeah. Uh, maybe the oldest is starting to enjoy coffee. You know, consider what other hot beverages uh, might be more enjoyable if they don't particularly like tea. Mm -hmm. and, or maybe it's something about like dainty china teacups that they don't really like. Maybe they want kind of a cozy mug. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's something cold. Maybe it's lemonade or iced tea. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of gathering around something. It doesn't necessarily have to be strictly hot tea. That's true. Um, I would also ask, what have you tried? And like, what doesn't seem to be working about what you've tried? So it's important to be honest with ourselves about what we might need to let go of. We may have certain idealistic images about what this or that ought to look like in our families, and maybe because we have a mental image about what it looked like in another's, um, but each family and each individual is unique. So if we yeah. can identify what aspects of what we're trying are not working, then we have the opportunity to adapt and try something different that may be a better fit for our family. So this may take it a bit of imagining and trial and error, but I bet if tearful at tea time pays careful attention next time she invites her daughters to join her, or if she thinks back over some, some of the experiences that they've had in past times, um, I think she'll be able to identify a few hurdles or points of friction. Mm -hmm. um, and then similar to that question is like, what seems to turn them off? To yeah. time? And so are they being forced maybe to take part in this when they'd rather be doing something else? Or um, how right. long are they expected to participate? You know, is it something about the tea or the food or the aesthetic, the conversation that that is kind of, you know, creating a point of friction? Um, I would caution us all in, in areas like this not to jump too quickly to conclusions, not to look merely on the surface and say, oh, it must be this, because there could be more going on underneath the surface, a deeper, a deeper um, issue. But yeah. um, we might be able to tell to some extent, what is not enjoyable and seek to try different approaches that may be more approachable. Yeah. And then I would finally ask, um, what are your hopes and expectations? So again, be honest with yourself. What are your hopes for tea time experiences with your daughters? Moreover, if you can identify maybe one core desire or expectation, what is that? Mm. Perhaps it's quality time with your daughters and if so maybe tea time doesn't have to look exactly like tea time you know whatever you think that ought to look like yeah um what else would help to foster quality time together for all four of you and another thought um i'm just wondering here how are the girls relational dynamics with one another you know for mm -hmm. a time you might even try one-on-one -on -one tea times 
or at least for whichever of them that that might be a suitable fit for instead of having everybody gathered together maybe spend time with one daughter and that's a great point so yeah I feel like overall naming our expectations can be so powerful as it can help us to focus on what really matters and let go of the extra that might be getting in the way um so I realized that a lot of that was very theor- uh, theoretical and kind of big yeah. picture. So I do want to just kind of close my thoughts off by offering a few simple practical tips that would align well with those questions. So one thing is to kind of going back to that first question, you know, make, make or serve beverages that they enjoy. You know, if they don't like tea, what do they like? Or maybe they would enjoy tea better with a little bit of milk and or sugar, something like that. So simple, but you know, gets to the point. Yeah. Um, everybody <laughs> likes tasty snacks. So maybe, you know, yeah. think about if there's any particular <laughs> cookie or bar that they really enjoy that you like that you could just whip up real quick. Or, you know, even speaking of bakeries, um, going to a favorite <laughs> bakery or even just a package of, you know, cookies from the store. It doesn't have to be a big deal. No pressure. It's not about perfection. It's about connection. It, absolutely. Yes. Um, we talk a lot about music and aesthetic, you know, kind of setting the aesthetic on, on wallflower, mm-hmm. wallflower journal. So the idea of playing some background music that they might enjoy, um, I think without completely hijacking the feeling of, of, of tea time, I feel like that there, there would be some sort of calm or peaceful music that your daughters would probably like. And maybe they, one of them might enjoy being asked to, to choose what the music is, you know, kind of having some, some skin in the game, some agency. Yeah toward uh, the time together that they can contribute to it. Um, on a similar note, just invite them in general to be involved in the process. So I, you know, I don't know what your approach has been up to now, but I imagine that giving them a sense of ownership mm-hmm. and a voice in how these tea times look could help them enjoy it more. Um, and then one other practical thing is, as Kelia said in our first episode, people love to talk about themselves. It's true. So, <laughs> The teens and tweens, you might you might need to use a bit of a side door because I think all of us at that that age, one time or another, might clam up a little bit around our parents in that yes. particular age range. But... So secretive. <laughs> Don't ask me about my life. You know? ah, go but, away. <laughs> but even you know, kind of on the side, you know, enter the side door of less overt questions, kind of asking things that would help them to talk about interests that they have. And it's okay to start small and maybe be somewhat shallow. That depth can come over time as as you continue to build those bonds. So uh, lastly, I would just offer up the idea of considering talking to her daughters openly about tea time. Mm. You know, that could be certainly be vulnerable, but I think it's, it's worth it. Um, you know, sharing your desires for what tea time might look like or why, why it matters to you that you yeah. think they would enjoy it too and maybe what your hopes are for them in those experiences you might even ask them what they dislike about it if you can sense that there's something like they, they're not enjoying themselves you know you might just ask them I'm just curious you know what what about this do you not like um yeah or what, what might help you to enjoy it more so just um being vulnerable I think is is important. I realize it's a risk, but it's also a rich opportunity to invite them to be vulnerable and open in return. I think that's a great way to build those strong bonds. So um, tearful at tea time, it's my prayer (laughs) that this will help you all build stronger bonds with one another and find ways to mutually enjoy tea times together. Wow. That, that was a, an especially good last note of just point blank, ask them because I think we, we think, okay, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that and we're guessing and and trying to figure it out. And sometimes it's just 
about, hey, can I just ask you what's going on? And it's sometimes as simple as that. Sometimes it isn't, but sometimes it really is just a simple question to open up the conversation and at least get it started. So that was a, um, that's wonderful advice, Jessica. Um, I want to start off by saying I am also not a mother yet, (laughs) but I can understand that it must be really difficult to make a connection with your children, especially at these ages, 10, 14, 16. These are really rough ages when they're kind of wanting to be their own person, wanting to find their own identity and maybe pushing mom and dad away a little bit. So it's natural for them to want time away and discover themselves, but it's also kind of a strange time because they still need everything from you Mm -hmm. at that age. Um, And so at every turn, they're fighting for independence, but they still need you so much. And so it's a complicated and hurtful process, uh, process for moms, especially because you, you feel like you give them everything and you do. And so I don't want you to take this on as a personal failure because it's really just, it's so natural. And as the youngest of three girls, I can also say if my older sisters were doing something or weren't doing something, I would be following suit. So they move as a pack probably. So don't take it on too much. Um, but interestingly, a past version of myself can identify with your daughters here. Uh, so growing up, I didn't have tea times, but my mom and I had a little tradition of going out to in and out Burger every week. That's growing up in Los Angeles. You go to in and out And while at the time, I really wished that I had cool friends to go with, <laughs> and I did not, um, I look back on our lunches together really, really fondly and our time together and just connecting over some cheeseburgers. It's something that I miss, honestly. I don't get it anymore. Um, we live across the country from each other. So I, I can imagine that right now you feel like giving up maybe on your tea time ideals, but I don't want you to give up because forging bonds with your children is so important and it's going to leave a long lasting effect on their life. And I really think that they're going to look back on these tea times and be really thankful that you wanted to conduct them, that you cared enough to invite them into a tea time and connect with them. So uh, I think while you might get some rolled eyes and sighs, I think carving out a little time for, for connection, like Jessica said, doesn't even necessarily have to be tea, but connection each week to sit down. That's so important. So first, um, just some tips in favor of actually having tea time. (laughs) Um, You might need to set a little, a couple boundaries here. And this isn't about forcing them into it, but it's about encouraging them and letting them know that spending family time is really, really important to you. So you could say something along the lines of, this is important to me that we sit down and have our tea time. And I want you to be able to hang out with your friends this week, but first, I would love for us to have time together as a family so we can connect. It's not about forcing them into it. It's about setting a little boundary and just saying, hey, if you want to be able to do these things, I really think we should do this first or do this as well. Um, You could even make a no phone rule 
to make it for better quality time and set a time limit so they know what to expect. You know, we're going to be sitting here for 30 minutes and talking because that might be another thing that is kind of keeping them away from it is they don't always know what to expect. And it's just nice for, for them to think, okay, so for the next 30 minutes, I will hang out with mom and my sisters. Um, and then as far as finding ways to make the actual tea time more interesting to them, this sounds silly, but just ask them fun quiz questions that you find online or play a game where you all have to answer a hypothetical question. Um, if you were a, a flower, what would you be? Or if you were a pair of shoes, what would you be? It's, it sounds so silly, but it's, it's these little icebreaker things that will start conversation going rather than jumping in with, how are you feeling this week? You know, they, they might feel kind of like, I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling, you know? And so jumping in with fun icebreaker questions are going to maybe make them more open to talking about how they're feeling this week and, um, and what they're struggling with or what they're, you know, dreaming about. So even take personality tests together, or this is also very silly, but it's fun. Everyone has to pick which Avenger hero they would marry, (laughs) you know, or come up with the best, come to the tea time with the best joke you heard that week. Like everyone has to pick a funny joke. Um, So just be intentional with the time to make it fun. I think another thought that immediately came to me is one reason they might be pushing back is that they feel like they have to enter mom's world in order to have tea time. And Jessica kind of touched on some of this with like, you know, the, the kind of mugs that you use or the kind of tea that you serve. They might not connect with those things necessarily. They might like she said, want just a a big mug rather than a little teacup and a saucer, or they might want apple cider, like Jessica said. And so it would be helpful, I think, to bring their world into it and bring some of them into it and make it a time when you all share a world together. It's not about, I have to step into mom's world and like the things that she likes. Um, So ask, ask about their highs and lows of the week. After, of course, you've done some icebreakers and, and made it and giggled a little bit together. And what's something that they've been struggling with? What's a new song that they heard that they really like? Make them feel like tea time is an everyone thing, not just a mom thing. Um, and so I think beneath their size, I really think it's going to go into their heart that their mom cared enough to carve out this time with them. So many kids grow up without moms or don't have moms that ever invested that kind of time with them. So I just want to leave my spiel on an encouraging note for you um, to say, it's really amazing that you want to do this with them. Don't feel bad. This is so natural and just keep pushing through. And thank you for sending in this letter. It was really a, a a treat to get to speak into this for you. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So now we would like to move on to our may we suggest segment where we talk about whatever we were reading or watching or listening to or wearing or eating that week that made us just extra happy and brought this little dose of beauty and joy into our week. 
So Jessica, what is your recommendation this week? Well, may I suggest um, a film, a 2016 film called This Beautiful Fantastic. Mm. Um, I discovered it on Hoopla a little while back. I've watched it several times now since because it's a great a great wow. film to, to rewatch. But I would sum it up without giving anything away as a quirky story about friendship, beauty, and facing one's fears. Mm. Um, it's just a really beautiful film. It's um, I don't remember if it's made by the BBC, but some some um, entity in in the UK. So <laughs> British actors, British setting, British yay. So British accents, yay all the way. It's it's lovely. It's truly lovely. And uh, yeah, for anybody who enjoys story and character development and just seeing people go on, on, on a journey, not necessarily geographically, but you know, like a soul journey or an experiential journey. Um, it's just a really beautiful film. It's very redeeming. There's nothing like, you know, to be worried about. I feel like tearful at tea time. If you want to watch this with all your girls, mm. I think it's complete. I, I would say it's suitable for a 10 year old. Um, wonderful. nothing that gives me pause in it. So this beautiful, fantastic. Great. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful recommendation. I'm probably going to have to watch this movie now. It sounds so much fun. <laughs> well, I would like to suggest a series, a book series that I think matches the season quite nicely. It's a detective series. And so I'm just going to, a little bit of um, background on this. I spend my summers and winters in Colorado. And one of my favorite things to do with my husband there is read a book together. And so we came across this series that takes place in Colorado, a little mountain town. And we thought, how perfect is that? Okay, let's give it a try. So it is a mystery. And the first book, um, Inherit the Bones, it's called, is the, the first book of the series. It starts out with a detective, Gemma Monroe, and she's very, very pregnant, which is it's something I've just never heard of a detective that's pregnant. I love that. <laughs> and she's solving this mysterious murder and in this little mountain town with a beautiful setting. And, you know, she has a, a partner that, you know, you're not sure if he can, tr you can trust him and, you know, all these relationships and it's just a lot of fun. And the writing to me is this beautiful mix of deep and digestible it's something that I just rarely find. I, I feel like writing is either, okay, well, this was nice, but it didn't go that deep. Or, okay, this is very deep, but I can really only handle a page at a time. So That's this, rare. yeah, yeah, pairing. yeah it, it truly is. So I, if you are a fan of uh, murder mysteries, I would say this is a fun book to, to go ahead and pick up. If you like, you know, Agatha Christie books, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, I think it's perfect for this time of season. So yeah. Before we go, Jessica, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you're up to? Yeah. Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and also on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Wonderful. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials. I'm definitely most active on Instagram at Kelia.Clarkson and reach out. I always love to hear from you guys. 
And of course, check out Wallflower Journal. We have new articles coming out every single week about relationships and beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.